This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Celtics Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. And there's John in the background with mute on, trying to lip sync with my intro, which is so clockwork. Uh, Justin Poole and John Duke with you. <laughs> And to kick this episode off, we owe everybody an apology. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So two episodes ago, we titled the next, we titled the episode that the next episode would be about Bradley Beal. Of course, that was last week's, and we never talked about Bradley Beal, John. So, uh, psych, uh, I guess we need to open this show, uh, closing out on a commitment and a responsibility to our listeners. Do what we said we were going to do. It's good that we don't have money because somebody would get us fired. Uh, Bradley Beal, let's talk about this. You yeah. know, things aren't going well in Washington. Best thing they did this offseason was hi- uh, sign Isaiah Thomas, though. Right. He says he's ready for a comeback. See how we're not going to talk about Bradley Beal again? We're going to talk about Isaiah Thomas. Just. <laughs> But with the state of the franchise, you know, and watching what's happening in today's NBA landscape, is there a chance that Bradley Beal becomes available? And and really, you were the one that teased this whole conversation. So uh, why don't you run with it a little bit? Well, yeah, I, I think, look, so this somewhat was spurred on a couple of things. Obviously, John Wall is out for the year. Uh, the rest of the team is a complete disaster. I mean, Bradley Beal is really the only player on the roster that, that gets anyone excited at all. Um, it's a stereotypical situation where all the suitors are looking, and, and with two stars on seemingly just about every team in the league, uh, there's a there's a thirst to add a third star and somebody who's on a contract for a couple of years at – uh, what now is pretty reasonable money for, for a max player. And, you know, Beal is probably somewhere in between the 15th and 20th, 20th best player in the league, depending upon how you view these things. And so there's obvious, there's obvious interest. And the Celtics as a team that lost a, another all-star and, and really have one all-star and then a number of players that, that could be, but, no guarantees, whether you want to talk about Gordon Hayward's injuries or the young players. Beal seems like to be a fit. And then, of course, you have Tatum and Beal being boys from way back. Uh, so there's a fit there. Um, so the challenge is, like, how do you make that happen? And in, in the, this environment, 
you know, Beal has seemingly turned down for the moment an extension, a max extension, which would keep him in Washington beyond the two years, but would give him a nice little raise. So he's not willing to extend with, with Washington. And maybe that changes, um, you know, as he gets closer to the deadline for these things. But at the moment, He's saying, um, I'm not going to go there. Let's see what Washington does. There's a new general manager, and there's a lot of things on the table. Uh, and with that, with him being the probably most sought-after talent in the league, does that mean that teams will be able to somewhat break the bank to bring him in? Uh, I like Bradley Beal. I think he's a good player. Uh, I don't think he's someone who dramatically changes the fortunes of probably any team, but with the margins so close, maybe between teams, uh, maybe not a radical difference between say a team that's, um, you know, third in the West and first, you know, he could be someone who could really make someone an NBA champion. Uh, so I think it's interesting. I think the challenge is one, a lot of, a lot of teams don't have the money because of so many players moved around this summer. They can't make trades until December 15th anyway, Boston included. But should the Celtics not look at Bradley Beal as someone who, at least in terms of talent, at least in terms of where things are, there seems to be a package that would seemingly make Washington happy and potentially make a, a, a nice marriage between Beal and the Boston Celtics. What say you, Justin Poulin? Well, the rumors out there is that, number one, it's going to cost us Jalen Brown. Mm. But it would also <laughs> include Gordon Hayward, which, again, I think there's a lot of upside for Hayward this year. I mean, this is the year I was really thinking that there'd be a comeback. But they would solve two issues in a deal that revolves around Beal for Brown and Hayward. One is they release uh, relieve some, some salary. Um not necessarily immediately, but some potential long-term salary if Hayward doesn't pan out and rebound this year. And they also relieve themselves of needing to be able to sign Jalen Brown, which is a big consideration right now, too. And they would still be kind of locking up that shooting guard. I guess I would play him. Can you play him at shooting guard? You kind of have to anyway, right? So Kemba oh, yeah. Beal, he's 6'5". Kemba Beal, and then Tatum moves down to the three. The only real issue with a trade like that is we don't get a big man. And that's really where the issue is on this roster. Um, Beal is a talent. It might balance some things out. I'd actually rather see more of a three-team trade kind of movement here since we have to wait until December anyway and see if there isn't somebody that winds up solving um, the big man rotation concerns. And at the same time, maybe that team could really use a guy like Beal. The problem is, you know, the wings are everywhere, right? The wings are everywhere, and the bigs that can really stretch the floor, shoot from outside, rebound, defend, they're just not. And I don't I don't know what big is going to become available that would be worth it in this kind of a deal this year. Um, that's where I think we get stumped. So I'm, I'm iffy on it. I mean, Beal's definitely a talent. I think he'd look great alongside Kemba Walker. There's no doubt, but you know how high I am on Brown and that whole potential of a rebound year for Hayward plus the salary, even if you make that move, doesn't really open up a ton on this roster. It's not like you're going to go out and sign somebody in free agency. So, you know, consolidating two players is not really that attractive to me. But, um, you know, if we go back through this season and Hayward's still struggling and then Brown doesn't re-sign, You'd go back to this conversation and call me a fool for not being willing to move 
for Beal and get something out of that. Yeah, I, I you know, I think that the, the interesting part of this deal is really, as you said, it's the Jalen piece, right? I mean, that's the, I, I think I'd probably take leave with the idea. I think the most challenging position and, and the most talent thin positions, actually, I think the wing, because so many teams are going small. I think finding a big guy is good. I think what you were saying is find a big guy who can play in today's league, right? Like that's the, that's the hard part. It's find the Al Horfords out there. Yeah, they're not Boston there. Boston doesn't have that guy. You know, they don't have anybody who can do that right now. And it sounds like the more that I hear, I talk about, you listen about Poirier and I hear about what the plans are for this summer, some, or for this, this season from Brad Stevens, it definitely seems as though they're going to take a different approach for their big men. They're not going to expect Ennis Cantor to play like Al Horford or, or Tice to play like Horford or any of those guys. They're going to, they're going to do something different with those big men. Uh, probably it's much more of a, a you know, rolling big or, and, and that, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think we're going to see a different dynamic altogether, but I agree with you. I mean, I think that's, I, I don't like the idea of spending a lot of uh, capital on a player who really fills a position that is part of the reason you would move Jalen, I guess, or you is because you already have strength of that position. And if you're moving two guys at the, at the thinnest position in the league, I believe on the wing in Hayward and Brown, that seems a high cost for a player who, you know, for another wing makes you better, but for another, another wing, wing. And that, you, a huge hole at the front court. Yep, totally agree with that. And speaking of Brown, let's talk about USA basketball because there was a scrimmage and Kemba and Tatum played very well, at least from what I can read online, because I can't get NBA TV without purchasing a cable package. And so, well, again, I could always have gotten onto Reddit because they're reliable. Um, but I did not be, I was not able to watch the game. I wasn't able to record. It. It's really the issue. Couldn't watch it live. So you got to see a lot more of it than I did. I saw the clips and, you know, definitely, uh, Tatum and Kemba, both the leading scorers, right? One and two and, uh, played really, played really well. And some of the notes that I read, uh, because again, it's hard to see without being able to watch the flow of the game, but it seems like Tatum is much more aggressive and that's, Something that I guess in the postseason we saw that aggression when he tried to dunk over LeBron, but just in general, when he and Brown were such key focal pieces with Hayward and um, and Kyrie out that one postseason, it was there. That was one of the criticisms of Tatum last season was he wasn't as aggressive, but what a cluster it was. And so here we see, or at least I read reports, that he was much more aggressive uh, during USA Basketball's scrimmage, and hopefully that will continue. Yeah, no, I think that's that's exactly my read of it. I mean, Kemba Kemba didn't play a lot in the second half. He played a lot in the first half. Um, well, I wouldn't say a lot. He played much more in the first half. Looked great. I mean, he, they're playing against a select team that uh, was probably more talented in the front court. You had you know Jaron Jackson Jr. and you had Bagley uh, going up against. I'd say a flotsam, jetsam, full front line uh, from the uh, the national team, but you know the backcourt, the wings are in- insanely talented. Jalen getting the start was interesting. I thought he really pressed, did not look uh, fluid, um, made some bad reads. 
you know, <laughs> if you took some of the this things goes I was back to last about, week's show, yeah, right? yeah. The Briggs truck. I mean, this was that whole conversation and yeah. the concern about giving him a max extension. So, right. um, right. obviously reinforcing your stance on the matter. Well, yeah. And, and I think, uh, but I, you know, he's apparently he's had good weeks in practice. He's been playing well in practice. So, you know, look, what's one game, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, kill the guy on the basis of that. Um, Tatum looked good. I think one thing that's interesting that's come out of the reporting is, you know, Popovich has, he, in practices, and this has been reported where he yells 0. 0.5, 0. 0.5. As soon as they, as soon as they, they pass and they make a catch, it's 0. 0.5. You have 0. 0.5, and this is what the Spurs do. You have half a second to make a decision to pass or shoot the ball. You gotta, you know, we're gonna move the ball, move the ball, move the ball. You got 0. 0.5, move it. 0. 0.5, move it. If you're not there, if you don't have the right read, move the ball. And the quicker you're moving it, the tougher for the defense. Gets <laughs> Celtics rusty. should have ran that drill last year, and it would have made well, Brad Stevens so happy. It, you know, and Brad, right? And Brad has said, like, I'm glad. I'm, he says he said to Shashevsky, you know, I'm glad. You know, you can yell at Tatum. You know, I think, and he's saying the same thing to Pop and Kerr. You know, look, yell at these guys. Tell them the things that I've been telling them because when they come back. They know it's not just me harping on them. This is this is what they need to do, and and if that's the type of thing that's being instilled in uh, in uh, Jason Tatum, I mean, could you, could you think of a better uh, possible summer camp to go to? Um, you know, that- is that an indictment against Brad though? A little bit. I mean, I realize you didn't mean Uh-oh. it that way, and probably didn't yeah. hear it that way. And it always is good to get a third party. I mean, look, if you've ever been in sales, <laughs> the best thing that your customer can have is somebody else to tell everybody else in the organization what they've been trying to tell them all along. But for some reason, having a third party say it, it resonates. So I'm not saying I am not in, insinuating that it's an indictment of Brad at all. But even the way you just said it, it's like, well, he's saying they're not listening to me. Please tell them that, you know, please tell them that what I've been telling them is is true. It's correct. It's the way the game should be played. You know, uh, being able to get the buy-in and impart that, you know, strategy or the need for moving ball movement, et cetera, is critical. So uh, do you think there's like a little bit of a – is there a little bit of concern there or no concern, period? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think – I think getting – I mean, you see – look at how these guys get different trainers, right? You know, they'll bounce around, they'll go work out in Miami, then they'll go to L.A., they'll work out in my, you know, L.A., they'll go back to the facility, they'll work out a little bit. I mean, they're taking little bits and pieces from everybody, right? That's how these guys are spending their summers. And I don't think that's a problem. I don't think – But let's think- also be real. You and I never criticize Brad. Like, we love no. Brad on this show, right? Sure, and for good reason. We, and I agree, but yeah. we've doled out – Plenty of criticism around the horn, you know, for the players on this team, et cetera, you know. But when it comes to Danny and Brad, you and I very rarely have any kind of criticism for either of them. And so I'm sure there are people that listen to this show that have noticed that and think, well, those guys are always soft on those two. Um, We did have a little bit of a conversation about Ainge recently, but even then we didn't lay a whole lot of blame at his feet for the Kyrie thing, which I also – don't I don't think the evidence is there that it's Ainge. I think the evidence is there the other way. But, you know, Brad, sometimes people get frustrated with his out-of-timeout calls. You know, I've seen that, you know, and just kind of paying attention to the fan base and some of their concerns. And, you know, obviously what happened the last year is the first time that he took a step back 
by and expectations were all giant leaps forward. So, you know, when do you and I break a little bit on having some criticism? I don't know, but I'm with you. I, I still, I, I, it sounds like a criticism in a way, the way you said it, you know, just the way and what he said. But at, at the same time, I think, you know, these are legendary coaches, right? So if the players are having a hard time totally buying into Brad, Brad's probably been telling them, I learned this by watching Coach K. I, I learned this by watching Popovich. Like, this is what they do. And uh, it's always good to get that outside reinforcement. Well, yeah, and, and the one thing I'd, I'd also add to that is that Brad, first of all, Brad is the one who himself has said, look, they, it's good for them to hear this from other people. It's not just – I don't think this is this is about us bringing criticism to it as much as Brad himself saying, look, this is – it's good to hear from outside voices, you know, to reinforce. So I don't think it's necessarily being critical, us being critical. I think it's, it's Brad really bringing that, that eye to the critical eye to himself, perhaps, and, 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 uh, being willing to accept that. But, you know, I also think that those guys have to have accepted enough of the responsibility for what went wrong this year. And I think it was some criticism of, well, you know, because uh, Tatum said in one of the interviews earlier in the week was, well, you know, my numbers were all better this year than they were last year. And a lot of, there was a number of people who pig piled on top of that. I'm like, well, yeah, they, uh, no, they weren't. Like, well, actually, you know, <laughs> a lot of the numbers were. I mean, there was a lot of numbers that weren't. I mean, look, we can go through basketball reference all day long and say, well, see, you know, the efficiency of like, just like chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of annoyed with that whole line. Like, like, well, you know, I found a number. Like, okay, great, congratulations. You know how to get to basketball reference. Uh, you know, you're, you're welcome uh, <laughs> to borrow oh, our lines later too on. Soon, too soon. I know. Well, <laughs> I'm telling you, it just it, it 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 aggravates me because, you know, look, did he have the year we wanted? No, but like, there was so many different levels of disappointment last year. You know. Look, we're talking about Brad right now, but Tatum deserves responsibility and Brown deserves responsibility and Rozier and I mean, it's endless, you know, and so it's just, it's kind of like some of the summer, like figuring out what went wrong stuff. It just inevitably tries to zero in on one or two points. And the more we hear like smart on, on the jump, it isn't just one. It was a number of things. And it was a number of guys all doing the wrong thing, all not being willing to accept a role or not even knowing how to accept a role. And so, you know, to me, that's why it's not on Brad. It's on those guys. And so it's on a guy like Jason Tatum and a guy like Jalen Brown to go into this tournament and go into this team and hear this, those things from Pop and hear those things from Kerr and hopefully be able to like bring those to Boston and be like, look, I can play a role. But I can still show out when I need to show out. All right. So the real value is watching those other veterans that have been in the league many, many more years than them, listening to it and doing it. I think that's the biggest thing. And maybe that's where some role modeling was lacking last season. Definitely. All right. Follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host at CSL underscore Justin. That's me at CSL underscore Duke. That's him. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media, Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace and YouTube.com slash CLNS Media, where you can find the video of this episode if you are listening on the podcast channel and 
it's good to go over to the YouTube channel because you'll see me wearing sunglasses on the last episode, annoying John to no end. While baseball season is in full swing, placing a wager on baseball has never been easier with all the best odds at betonline.ag. This week, who are you watching? This week? Um, Jesus. Do I have to? Um, we'll go with the Phillies. How did it work out with the Angels, right? That was a split series. Is that right? Yeah, but I don't know, man. Red Sox, it's tough. It's tough. If you can make some money, thanks to betonline.ag on the Sox, good on you. That's the only positive uh, thing you're going to get from the Red Sox this year, I think. All right, make some cash. But wait, (laughs) can you believe NFL preseason is underway? Because that's what we're all hoping for. To celebrate another season kickoff, BetOnline.ag and CLNS Media are giving our listeners a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Head over to BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to join today and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines this football season. Get into all the action with BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions. That was hilarious, John. You almost took me out of composure. Sorry, I was trying to. That was great. Into it, I was trying. I, to, I was it. trying to, but bring the enthusiasm too. So kind of, you know, kind of pair up on that. It's so. another your welcome moment. You're welcome. That's right. <laughs> littering, littering them all the way through this one. I love it. So uh, let's talk about. The schedule, I guess, that's what we're really going to close the show on is a little bit of a review. And honestly, and I know you and I talked about this, but we'll share with the listeners uh, the conversation before we got started. But I could give two flying beeps about the schedule. Language. Language. I don't care about the schedule. I, you know, I get it. It's heavy on travel early on. And I remember last year. We were trying to predict, hey, it was heavy on travel at the beginning of last year, too. And, oh, it's going to help the team bond, and it was going to bring them together, and they're going to be away from their families, and they're going to be on planes, and they're going to be going out to dinner separately, folks. So uh, whatever we were trying to read into with all that, and I remember several road trips after that where we tried to say, hey, maybe this will be the road trip. Remember what we talked about before the season started with all those away games? Maybe this will be the – I remember January we were talking about this. Maybe this will be the road trip that really helps them pull it together. You know, they'll all bond. And, 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 and maybe they were really friendly and bonding, but it definitely didn't help them on the court and uh, ultimately uh, didn't help them retain players. So something something up. So when we look at this this season coming up and everything on the road, I really don't. The road games, I don't care. And even the Christmas game and all that, I don't care who they play. I really don't. Um, my family's on the move. We're spending time together. I definitely try to put the game on in the background. But you know what's must-see basketball for me? It's called the playoffs, and that's what matters. Oh, so my God. You probably don't feel as strongly as I do. <laughs> no, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Just, look, dig that. Go, keep going. Dig, dig, if, dig. If things – look, you and I both know it is hard to come up with things to talk about in August. And so the schedule is like this breath of fresh air for everybody who has to write and talk about the team. It's like, oh, thank God we have something to talk about. But it really is inconsequential. The only time I remember there's a couple of themes that would come out, you know, like this year with the road trips, you know, a lot of road games starting out the season. But I want to say like maybe eight to ten years ago, it seemed like they always had this late March road trip through Texas. 
that always kind of bit them in the butt. And I remember, oh, remember last year? It was brutal. And then, you know, we talked about it for like the third year in a row, and they went on a crazy win streak, and it was great for them, you know. Or maybe that was during – maybe that was in, in the uh, early Isaiah Thomas years when was when they had another one of those trips. But you can remember some of these thematic conversations that we've had, but it really doesn't matter. It really well, doesn't matter. No, like and, – and, yeah, I think this year especially. I mean, after we all went through uh, the exercise last year of thinking, "Oh, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're like the 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 Bears guys. They're like, yeah, Celtics gonna win. They're gonna go eighty-one and one. Duh, Celts. I mean, that's basically where we all were a year ago, and then that just really showed how unimportant." being a great team on paper means, you know, you got to prove it on the court. You got to play with passion. You got to play with chemistry. And until you show it on the court, it really doesn't matter. So I think probably as Celtics fans, we are as jaded as anyone about what this means right now. Like it just, it feels, so I'm excited for the regular season. I'm excited for the schedule. I'm excited to know what I'm doing 81 times uh, you know, starting October 23rd and through mid, mid April. I like that. I love basketball. I'm excited to have basketball in my life. I'm excited to know what I'm going to be doing. All that's good stuff. But in terms of like sitting down and being like, well, you know, I think there's going to be a win on uh, December 3rd. There's going to, you know, it's like, it's just, they're not playing on the third, but the point is like, it's just, it seems so, um, it all, <laughs> this is pretty, despair filled but like yeah but dude come on what does it matter they're gonna play the teams in the division four times and they're gonna play people outside of the division like right the games are the games it doesn't matter when they're held like i get it everybody wants to make a big deal about the only game that probably matters a little bit is opening night because the viewership is going to be really high right and it's kind of like the way you kick off the season and obviously they're going to have us playing against al horford and but you know i don't i don't there's no animosity towards al horford so yeah, it's a division rival, and there's plenty you know, against an, Philly, though. Let's but be there, honest. Yeah, there, that's true. There's plenty <laughs> against Philly, but but is it any more like does does the first game of the year have any more animosity towards Philly as any other game during the season against Philly? It's just opening night, right? Like no. maybe there's yeah. a little bit of emphasis on that, but it's not like the year we played Cleveland, right? Now that was a game, and unfortunately, it was a horrible game for Hayward. But that game <laughs> yeah, is the only game <laughs> out, outside of the playoffs. Yeah, I know. Outside yeah. of the playoffs, that is probably the only game since you and I started doing this show during a regular season that I really like had circled and got amped up for. The only other ones was when Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas were going to take on Golden State. Remember those two matchups? Um, that was always that was one that maybe I circled because I saw it as a barometer game, but I don't really look at this schedule or this team and go, oh, I need a barometer, you know, because the surprise is over, right? Now it's just kind of like let's see what we got. But the whole climbing out of the cellar after trading people away and you know have not really been able to yield the picks yet, not knowing who they are and that whole thing, um, that was just fun because we, you and I would like to say. I think they can upset the best team in basketball. I, I think they can upset them, and they did, right? But sometimes it maybe the schedule and how many games that Golden State played leading up to that is a factor too. But either way, um, outside of that, that Cleveland game at the 
you know, like, boom, are we ready to go or what? And then, but, you know, outside of that, I just don't get drawn in. Yeah, I I mean, look, I I think that we're in a different era right now. And I think that this is the place where the Celtics are right now is interesting because they are in a spot where their development growth is to show over the long haul that as players they are building and growing and becoming stars or whatever they're becoming, right? It's about that development. It's about what can Jason Tatum show over 30 games? You know, it's not, well, on this game, what can they show? You know, can they stand up? Right. If he lights up Philly again, then Eh, that just shows you we got their number. It's not. Right. That's not what it's about. What it's about is, to me, it's, it's about sustained excellence, sustained success, uh, and, Do you and think this team needs to are. get out on a hot start? No, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think any of that's important. Like I, I think, to your point, I don't think any of like hot start, cold start. I mean, look, if they're five hundred, um, you know, at the end of December, is that concerning? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I don't think you know they don't have to come out you know eight and two. You know, to be able to be considered, well, okay, boy, we, we shook off what was, whatever happened last year. Uh, I think it's more a question of, you know, individual players and building, rebuilding that team chemistry. I think a lot of us feel like they're going to be better this year because they're going to play together. Uh, and I think that actually means we're going to have more of those games like we saw in past years where they get, they get wins that they shouldn't get because they work harder. That's the mark of the Brad Stevens teams, right? It's that, and it's it's out of, after timeout, uh, you know, plays. I suspect we're going to see within the first month and a half, we're going to see a return to that. If we don't see that, that's when we start to be concerned of, okay, maybe something else is going on here uh, in terms of the players, in terms of Brad. I think that's when you ask question. I don't think it's a win-loss thing. I think it's, does this feel like a Brad Stevens team? Does this feel like a team that's coming together? Does this feel like a team that's going to grow and improve? I'm not worried about, you know, you know, we, we talk about the David Lees and those guys where they play, you know, he plays guys that maybe are a little bit out of position or too much. He's always feeling out the first half of the year. I'm okay with that. But are they trying to come together? That's the piece where last no, that's year a great that never happened. Yep, you know? that's, that's absolutely a great point, um, and that's probably the most important thing is just watching the chemistry, watching the work ethic, watching the commitment to defense, even though they don't have a lot of interior defense. So with that in mind, are there games as we kind of wrap up on the schedule? I mean, I know we just crapped all over the schedule and, and kind of took a broader view about how we look at the progression of the team, but are there games on the schedule that stand out to you? I mean, it's Toronto on Christmas Day. It's Philly Philly on opening night. Um, again, the Christmas Day game is just kind of like so whatever to me, right? I, I mean, I know it's big. It's big-time basketball. I get it from a ratings standpoint. I get it yeah. if you're ABC, 100%, you know, and, and, and ESPN being owned by ABC, right? Like, I get that. Yeah. But, you know, but as a fan, it's just kind of meh. You know, as a fan, me. as a fan who's a, who's a dad, you know, and, and I, I think that's kind of also what we're saying is we're busy as hell on Christmas. Yeah, we got a lot, we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you know, am I going to make time probably to watch that game? Yeah, I probably will because I'm insane. 
Uh, and I'm going to watch probably all those games on Christmas Day. But, uh, you know, th- that was why I was always kind of met on the idea of Brooklyn getting that game. Because I'm like, I don't want to have a lot of hate and discontent in my heart on Christmas Day. You know, I don't, I don't want to be this. I don't okay, be I rich. agree. That particular would that that being on the schedule, that would be one of those games that would matter to me, too. Yeah, because you, you're right. It would put me in a bad mood on Christmas. Yeah, I don't want that. I want to. I want to hate and discontent before Thanksgiving. So to me, the night before Thanksgiving, the F Thanksgiving uh, Eve game against Brooklyn, what probably Kyrie will um, not show up for because you know uh, I would be entirely. I'm ready to bring the hate and discontent to that game, uh, and and I would hope Boston. And the fans... next day, be thankful for for what we have. Exactly, and then hopefully I'd... a win against. <laughs> and if he doesn't play, I'd be more than happy to bring, get on a train, get on the Acela, get down to the, uh, down to New York, and go to uh, Barclays at noon on the day after Thanksgiving and boo his ass. You know, I think that's <laughs> that's perfectly fine. You know, I mean, look, I was Kyrie, I was Team Kyrie, but he is now on another team, and I am perfectly willing to be uh, in the uh, in the crap on Kyrie. Hater crowd. Hater crowd. Yeah, I'm willing to be in the hater hater Kyrie crowd. So uh, to me I love the I love the, the, the F Thanksgiving situation. I I I'm, Is that your favorite one for the season then? I mean if what's yeah, that? I mean is that your favorite one for the season then? I mean is there really anything else that stands out other than F Thanksgiving? Okay, so listen, to me I, I think there's a couple others, but like to me the one that I want to bring a lot of hate and discontent to, and nobody's talking about this, the Lakers. The Lakers are Martin Luther King Day. Oh, which yeah. again, that's a tough time to really bring hate. You're talking about guy, a guy who is all about love and equality. It's not Malcolm X Day. Is that what you're getting at? I want to bring the pain. Look, Malcolm X, <laughs> he's got Boston roots. Martin Luther King, Boston roots. You know, Credit Scott King was a beast. I mean, there's a whole thing. But look. I want to bring the pain to Anthony Davis, okay, on on January 20th. I want Dude, him to hear Boston. I'm just going to tell you, we are going to get destroyed in maybe, that game. Maybe, maybe, but, like, look, this is – how do we know that LeBron's not going to go on his sabbatical that month, right? And look at the team around. Right. It is a January game. You're, you're 100% right there. We don't know how good this Lakers team is going to be. All right. The last time we saw Boogie Cousins, he played one good game out of five. Okay. He was, he was 20% of the time he was there, 20% of the not. Okay. LeBron is going to play the third most minutes by the end of the season of any player ever. Okay. And none of them were playing to his level. So there's minutes on that guy. He didn't even, he didn't play a full uh, 82 or anywhere close to it last season. Uh, you know why? You know, there's going to be rest. That's a national Rondo, game. Rondo, 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 Rondo. Yeah, love that's going to be. Rondo is still my guy. I love Rondo, but look, I'm I'm the Celtics fans. Look what he did to us last year. Even when LeBron could take a sabbatical, sure. But Celtics fans better be ready to boo Anthony Davis's ass off because. That whole thing and Rich Paul. Yeah, he's disrespectful. That still could have happened regardless of all this Kyrie stuff. That still could have happened. And so he's somehow, he, somehow all of that has been ignored this summer with everything that went on with Kyrie and, and, uh, all right. You know, so hold on. Are you, well, no, this will be the outtakes. I have the outtakes. All right. I know what the outtakes are. 
Ooh. All right, so you ready to go to the outtakes? Because I have something. Really, all right, let's, let's do, it. do it. I have a really good one. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. That's me, and at CSL underscore Duke. That's him. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in, and remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and for my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. All right. Do you or are you going to hate Anthony Davis more than I hate Kevin Durant? That's a great question. Isn't it? That's a great question. Do you hate AD more than I hate KD? No. And the reason why is Rich Paul. Because oh, I you put, can deflect some. I can you deflect, can deflect a lot some of, of that hate yeah. to Rich Paul where mine is squarely focused on enemy number one who joined yeah. – Enemy number one, because they're enemy number one A and enemy number one B, right? Kyrie and KD. So, yep. yep. All right, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I mean, look, I think that there's there's. What if Anthony Davis says, like, what if he beats us? You know what I mean? Like, he just totally takes it to us, and he's smug like an ass in the post game. Is that going to change? See, middle of the game, it's hard for me to – I think it would be difficult under the construct of how good the Celtics are and where the Lakers are. And I, I think it would be difficult to generate that hate and discontent without some sort of extraordinary circumstance like dirty plays or something like that. I don't think they'll be in a position to be competitive in a negative way, You know, you know, battling for – uh, playoff positioning or anything. That's just not going to happen. So I think it's going to be difficult to build that in the future. You know, I think a lot of it's just going to be his unwillingness to even consider Boston and really, you know, be willing to be led um, by the caller uh, to the Lakers on behalf of LeBron's buddy, Rich Paul. And why that is happening and why he's allowed that to happen is – completely insane and you know like he was on the uh the sports kids choice awards or whatever it is on on nickelodeon you know and it's just like he, he just doesn't have a clue just not a clue not a clue in the world uh i i really i'm not i think he's missed the boat put it this way i think he's missed the boat and i think it's going to be a, a real mistake for him there in la but i i if you want to be LeBron's oh, guy, dude, you're we'll be LeBron's guy, man. A lot like me with KD. No, you were. There was venom. I, I you could hear the venom dripping off your two, off of your your fangs on on that that July Fourth day. They, I don't have the vitriol. You have serious hate. And you're working up to it though. You're you're just a sneak attack. See, I'm emotional reactive. <laughs> And you're very like reserved and 
yeah, you're a slow burner. Like, just because you're not reacting on the immediate as quickly as I do doesn't mean that it's, you know, it's like the culture on a Brad Stevens team. It has to be, you know, fostered. It has to be nurtured. And so I, I dude, just now, glimpses. Listen, glimpses. I think what we do, we record a post-game show after the Laker game on the 20th of January. And we'll check in on this, right? How much has my hate for uh, Anthony Davis changed as a result of of such such a game? They play again in, in the I'm end. I'm so of glad they're not playing January 31st, though, Why? because that's the date. Kobe MVP MVP. Well, the the first it, to to kind of carry that forward. And the first was the, um, you know, ask me July 1st, um, the first of February. That was, that was ask me July 1st. That was when Kyrie said that in New York. So there's, there is that timing is also important for another reason too. But, um, yeah, I, the hate and discontent, it, it burns, it burns bright. I don't think I, I can tell, and yours is going to kind of go dormant here this year with, with Katie on the shelf. So, you know, there isn't a fair comparison almost, but when Katie, what's going to happen is it's going to go dormant this year and next year when it's a colossal cluster overdrive, I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Snidely <laughs> whiplash all the way Snidely home. Whiplash. That's right. Yeah, it's going to be – I can see it right now. I, I could really see the Brooklyn thing completely com- being combustible. You know, I think it's going to blow up. I yeah. do. But you know what? <laughs> Maybe we title this episode, <laughs> The Nets Are Going to Blow Up. <laughs> the next show will be about The Nets Are Going to Blow Up. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. No, we're not gonna do we that. will forget to talk about it, folks. That's how it goes. But, John, you know how this ends. I do. You're welcome. You're welcome.